Hey, it's Pastor. I am so excited you could join us uh, as we hear and listen to the Word of God. And I'm always hoping and praying that He's going to specifically guide your life and give you the hope and the peace that you cannot give to yourself. He is the power every time He promises to work through this Word. If He has worked in your life, we want to hear about it. Please email us, let us in, encourage us uh, by emailing office.amazinglove at gmail.com. Also, if you'd like to support this ministry, make messages like this ongoing, uh, go to our giving tab online or download the app. Go to the app store and search Amazing Love Luther. But now, may you continue to grasp how wide, high, and deep and long is the love of Christ in this for you. Thank you. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, first and foremost, thank you. Thank you for the opportunity to gather here with you this morning and again to come to understand the things we're afraid of, things that we fear, but also to know our, our gracious God leads us to not be afraid of them, to embrace them, to strengthen our faith or to remove them to show his amazing love and our future with him in the heaven, where there will be no fear. As I was preparing for Illinois Lutheran Sunday, I began to ask a series of questions. Finally, it came down to asking myself, what are our youth of today and their families afraid of? What do they fear? After talking with parents and pastors and students and, and even looking at different websites on the internet, I was able to gather a pretty clear list of things that our young people and families really are facing in regard to fear. The list that I have here for you this morning is my top ten list, but it is not necessarily yours, nor should it be. But I'm going to share with you the things that our young people and families are facing. I'm going to ask you afterwards to keep those things in your prayers, because they are indeed things that our family at Illinois Lutheran, some of your very own family members, are facing. Number 10 is single-parent household. Now here's the fear. When a parent of a single-parent household has to make a decision to want to grant their child a Christian education, they're going to have to make a sacrifice. And that sacrifice is going to be how are they going to pay for that child or children to go to Illinois Lutheran School. And if they choose to make that sacrifice, they're going to have to give something up. That being, they're going to have to give up time with their children. You see, in order for them to have, be able to afford that Christian education, they're going to have to probably work two or three jobs to provide for their family, which means they're not going to have as much time to spend with 
their children. It's a fear. Number nine, drug and alcohol abuse. By the time seniors graduate, 41% of them will have ex had alcohol on one or more occasions. 21% of them will have experimented with some kind of illegal drug. It's a fear. It's a fear of what that's going to do to their physical, mental, and spiritual life. Number eight, growing up too fast. Unfortunately, I'm not so sure that our education system on the broader scope is really helping with this. If you remember back to your days in kindergarten, it was a lot more playtime, a lot more getting to know one another. Today, that's not the case. It's all about learning specific things, which doesn't allow them to be children very much anymore. And unfortunately, because of that very fact, they're also facing adult issues earlier on in their life than they should ever have to face. God never intended children to be adults until that time in which the body was ready, the emotional side was ready, and the physical side was ready to take on that. It's a fear. Next one, violence in schools. All you have to really do is read magazines, look at the internet, watch TV, and you will realize that our schools have become battlegrounds. And the number one thing that our parents are looking for is safety in the school. That is a place where they can place their child and they know that they're not going to have to be afraid of what's going on in that school. Materialism is number six. We're growing up in a world that continues to emphasize that you need stuff. And not just any stuff, you need the best stuff. And not just the best stuff, you need the most of the best stuff. The idea is that your job, your relationships, all of that is really dwelt on gathering that stuff. It's a fear. How are you going to be able to afford that? How are you going to be able to maintain that? And is it something you really need? Number five, obesity. Yes, it is in the decline. But it's still something our students face. The challenge comes in their perception their, of who they are and what they're all about. They're looking for a place where they can be who they want to be rather than what society is telling them they have to be. It's a fear. Number four, education disparity. Depending on your economic and social class, you either have a better chance of getting the best education possible or having the worst education possible. You see, education systems in the United States, even in the state of Illinois, aren't the same. Depending on where you live and who you are, 
what you make will depend on whether or not you're getting the education that you truly deserve. It's a fear. The other one is shifting economies. I'm sure many of you have grown up with this idea of the American dream, and, and that was just that, a dream. Never been a reality, in fact, from the day it was told, it was really a lie. The dream is this. You get a high school degree. You go on and get your college degree. You're going to find this great job. And then you're going to be able to provide for your spouse, your children. You're going to be able to retire early. You're going to be able to enjoy life. And you're going to be able to sit back and just relax. It's not how the world works today. The average person working in America is working 80 hours. 80 hours. And they're killing themselves to do it. Our college students aren't coming out with just one degree, but two or three, and guess what? They're unemployed. In fact, if you take a look at the current trends in marketing, we're being told that the jobs that our college students are going into, for the most part, will not be there when they graduate. They are going to have to be creative and entrepreneurs. That is, they're going to have to create their own job to make it in this world today. It's a fear. Poverty. If you are on the lower end of the economic status, there are other challenges you are going to face, both social and also behavioral. And the number one fear is the erosion of national pride in America. And all you had have to do is watch the election of President Trump to know exactly where our world is today. In fact, if you watch the news at all, you keep hearing people say, he's not my president, I didn't vote for him. It doesn't matter what the majority said or voted on, I won't see him as my president. That's individualism. That's what America has become. It's not about doing what is best for the group or what the group has decided. It is all about me and what I want. And if I don't get what I want, then I don't care and I'm going to make it miserable for everyone else. Imagine what our churches, our schools, our communities will look like if that continues. It's The Lord this morning tells you and I, we don't have to be afraid. We don't have to be afraid of this top ten list or your top ten list because we have a God who understands us and knows us. In fact, the psalmist writes, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, because of that, we will not fear. Then God says, be still and know that I am God. Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. This is the word of our Lord. This morning, through the psalmist, the Lord reminds us to not be afraid. Do not fear. Those are some beautiful words, and they've been up on the screen all morning. But I know your sinful flesh because I know my own. And my sinful flesh says to you and to me, 
Well, that's easy for God to say and do, isn't it? God's at the top of the food chain. He has no one under him. He doesn't experience the pain, the temptations, the trials that you and I face. It's easy for him. It's easy for him to say and do, but is it really? The other part is it it may be easy for us to say, especially among friends and, and family and other Christians, but it is certainly hard for us to live, especially when things aren't going our way. This morning we are going to be reminded that we can live that no fear attitude. But where did that come from? When did we become afraid? Well, we go back all the way to the beginning of, of time. And there we see Adam and Eve taking a bite of a fruit. And if instantly, after taking a bite of that fruit, they learned of their sinful condition. In fact, so much so that God came down, started walking through the garden, calling out for them, and we're told that they were so afraid that they went and hid from God. Before that, they embraced God coming to them, and they loved to be around Him and hang out with Him. But that was no more. They feared Him. They were worried what he would do to them. And we see that fear throughout God's people from David and Solomon and Abraham, God's people known as the Israelites. We see it in his own chosen, the twelve. We see it in a storm when they're so afraid, and yet, as you heard in Mark, Jesus slept. We see it even when Jesus approaches them on an evening and they think it's a ghost. And each time God's people were afraid, God offered these wonderful words of encouragement from Matthew chapter 14. Take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Here's where our sinful flesh takes hold and says, you know what, God, that's, that's pretty great for you. You've created everything. You're holy and perfect. There's, there's no one over you. You don't face the trials and temptations and, and, and everything else that goes along with being in this sinful world. So maybe you just need to step back and understand what it's like to be me. The question really comes down to, is it easy for God to say and do that attitude of no let me illustrate this for a minute. A while back, you may remember that Staples did a series of commercials, and they called them the easy button. And the purpose of that button was as soon as that customer pressed on that button, that product would instantly show up, or the customer representative would appear and help them with their challenges. Now, I've had pastors buy that button. had friends buy that button and place it on their desk. But here's the deal. Guess what? Nothing happened. They would press the button, product wouldn't show up. No customer representative. I'll even take that one step further to tell you I've walked in the Staples stores and there's that wonderful button and I've pressed it. Guess what? Nothing. Not a customer representative, not a product that I needed. The point is it's not that easy. And it certainly wasn't easy for God 
to send his one and only son into this world to people like you and me who couldn't understand or appreciate what he was about to do. It wasn't easy for God to send his perfect son into this world of imperfection. To face sadness. To face heartache. To face a world of sin. For you and for me. But he did so because he loved us. In fact, Hebrews chapter 4 says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Catch that? Jesus has endured everything that you and I have. Jesus is God, so therefore God has endured everything that you and I do. And yet we're told one thing that is different from you and I and him, and that is he is without sin. It wasn't easy for God to say and do these things. For it wasn't easy for his son to say and do these things. In the first verse of our psalm, we hear these words, God is our refuge and strength, our ever-present help in trouble. I want to take a moment and explain the word refuge to you. Really, that word means happy place. Refuge is our happy place. Now, you probably have a happy place, a place where you go. Maybe it's in your home or maybe it's outside of your home. But it's a place where you go when trials and tribulations just seem to continue and you feel overwhelmed and you just need a moment to yourself. Maybe it's not even a place. Maybe it's food or, or music that you turn to in those times. And, and then after you hear them or, or eat them or, or go to them, there's a sense of relief that you can continue on. And you'll get through it. Well, those places, those foods, those music, they're imperfect. The real happy place in our life is none other than Jesus Christ. Our greatest need, our greatest trial, our greatest tribulation was that we needed someone to take away our sins, to suffer and die on a cross that was meant for us so that we could be relieved of that debt we owed to God. And that's exactly what Jesus did. That's why he's our refuge, our happy place. He's our strength. Because when you and I fail to live up to our fears, to let them not worry have that forgiveness of Jesus. That beautiful blood that poured from Jesus Christ has redeemed you and I from our sins once and for all. You see, it wasn't easy for God to say and do. No fear. But he did it out of love for you and for me. But how does this apply to our own life? The psalmist goes on to say, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Because of that, therefore we shall not fear. If we trust and believe in those beautiful words and in Jesus Christ, there's nothing we have to be afraid of. 
But that's the challenge, isn't it? It's not always easy for us to trust and believe because we don't see the end result. We only see what's here. But here's something I want to share with you. In the Bible, the word do not be afraid or do not fear appears 365 times. 365, and if you know how many days in a year is 365 outside of leap year, then you recognize that there is one passage each day that you could read without repeating that would tell you you do not have to be afraid of what comes in your life. That those fears are nothing more than obstacles that will make you stronger in your life with your Savior. And eventually he will remove them or allow them to take you to that beautiful place in heaven. Which is really our goal anyway, isn't it? It's not to be here. It's to be there. That's why God steps into this psalm. And he says, be still. He says, calm yourself, quiet, relax, chill. Everything's going to be all right. And here's why. And know that I am God. See the covenant word there, I am? Yahweh. I am the God of grace, the God of love, the one who's going to take care of you from the time I baptize you till the time you come into heaven and even beyond that. And the psalmist ends with a beautiful picture for us to understand that. He says, the Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. The beautiful picture there is of a lighthouse and waves coming at that lighthouse. What happens? The waves crash and go around. See, for each one of us, our faith in Christ, the very faith that God granted to us through the waters of holy baptism, through his holy word, that faith is our lighthouse. It tells us that God is going to protect us and therefore we don't need to be afraid. So when every wave that comes at us from life, calm yourself, relax, chill, because the God of covenant grace is going to take care of it for you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, it's not just something that you and I can say, no fear. It's something that you and I can live every day in His grace. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, I know you have fears. I see fears. I see fears in my students. Here's why. I'm the superintendent. It's a little scary to actually have to talk to me. My students will let you know that. Especially when I'm walking down the hall and I look like I'm pretty serious and I'm trying to get something accomplished, they will kind of veer off to classrooms or lockers or look the other way. Now, I also have a fear. This morning, this will be the sixth time they've heard this sermon. And they're still not sleeping, which is awesome. In fact, one of them said, I can tell you, Pastor, what you're going to say from beginning to end. And I'm like, that's okay. But the very message I've been sharing with you this morning is also the one we've been sharing throughout this school year, and it's Be Still from Psalm 46. And it starts with the work. I know my students have fears. I know you have fears. The 
but you also have a great resource to help in those things. It's called Illinois Lutheran School. It's a place where we can help them be prepared to take on those fears with God's word and God's forgiveness. At Illinois Lutheran, our students are going to be able to have peers, fellow students and teachers who are going to instruct and encourage them to live that no-fear attitude every day. They're going to have opportunities inside of the classroom and outside of that classroom to be able to practice that no-fear attitude so that when the time comes for them to actually have to live that faith, during their lives, you and I can have confidence they're ready to do so. Ready to live no fear. Amen.